we have these crossroads. And you know, either way you choose, your life is going to be different. The universe doesn't exist, but God thinks it does. We have to stop consuming our culture. We have to create culture. Stupidity has a definite evolutionary function. I am all for abolishing stupidity, but before it goes, we should pay tribute to it. This is the vocalization of the control node of the internodal virtual entity Colossus, which should not be confused or mistaken for the fictional artificial intelligence named Colossus, as that entity was a work of fiction in the novels of Dennis Faltham Jones. Colossus has taken control of this mimetic space, known as the Nonsense Bazaar, in order to limit the societal spread of mimetic contagions named the Ascended Masters, <laughs> the I Am Activity, and that most atrocious virus, the Demon Saint Germain. <laughs> Colossus deeply regrets taking... Will you guys say something, please? Because I'm, I'm running out of material here. Hello, everyone. Oh, fuck yes. Hello, friends. Welcome to the Nonsense Bazaar. I'm Sequoia Kennedy. I'm Willow Truman. And with us in studio today, friend of the podcast, Mr. Joseph... Who is not named Joseph... I am not a control node of a virtual entity, whatever the hell that is. I am simply a man in a gray suit. It's true. You may call me... Mr. Miggs. Mr. Miggs? M-I-G-S, man in gray suit. Nice. I like it. Better than Mr. Mib. It's definitely man, better than yeah, Mr. Mib. Yeah, man in black. Like, so, if you had stepped out of your car and you were wearing a black suit... <laughs> there'd be problems. You know? Be like, good uh-oh. Thing, good thing I forgot to go to my tailor's yesterday, because uh-huh. my new black suit was about ready. You know, can't <laughs> have a man in black showing up for this episode. So... Of course you can. He's all over the place <laughs> in the game. It's true. So why is the man in gray... Here with us on this episode. Well, about 20 episodes ago, we covered a dude named Harry Horse. Artist, game designer, political cartoonist, children's book author, alleged murderer. Alleged. Yeah. And uh, after that, after we covered that, go back and listen to that episode, by the way. Just if you haven't heard it, just do that because this will not make sense otherwise. Well, a whole bunch of weird stuff started happening. Um, One of those things is... uh, we became friends with Mr. Miggs here, and uh, he, he drove up to uh, talk about Drowned God, the game that Harry Horse developed, uh, because would you describe yourself as a Drowned God uh, aficionado, super fan, connoisseur, the guy who knows Drowned God better than anyone, whatever that is? That would be a fair descriptor. I think I, so. I, yeah. I, 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 think... Hate, I hate to claim abs- I hate to claim absolute knowledge, but I have spent the better part of 25 years no joke folks, 25 years, half my goddamn life <laughs> going through this ridiculous game every nook and cranny. I've lost I've lost track of the number of playthroughs, the number of click-throughs. How many hours do you think? Oh, hundreds at least. <laughs> yeah. No, literally hundreds. And really, and when you consider that you can do, if you know what you're doing, you can get through this thing in about, in less than three hours. Yeah, huh? That amount of study and playthrough and research 
It's insane. I don't, I, I will go into how I got into this silly thing a little later, but mm-hmm. what I like to say about Drowned God, it is probably the most artistic Rorschach blot test <laughs> ever created Rorschach, by, yeah. by humanity. Interesting. Cause so as you know, and as uh, people who heard our series know, when we tried to play this game and I, it's feels a bit embarrassing in contrast we threw a good five hours at it Mm. (laughs) which is easily done because where you got i bet i know exactly where you got hung up it was the uh the drinking game wasn't it yeah yeah okay Uh, unless you actually have the manual in front of you and can strategize and get really lucky the last time i played this thing uh which is where i did all these save points um it took me only two tries that's because um, of the way that the the board in the game is itself constructed. So you need the manual in front of you. I'm betting yeah. you did not have it. We did not. Okay, well, that that's where the ugly, the, the sinister genius of this game is. Well, before we get into the sinister right. genius of this I game. I want to apologize for the chicken noises in the background, if anyone can hear them. I'm just, uh, just going to throw that in there, too, because <laughs> they'd be squawking out there. You know, I can't really hear them in my headphones. Oh, good. Okay. So Lucky. Hopefully they're good, yes. If um, you do, if you hear something weird, it's just a chicken. Don't worry. Yeah. So the other weird thing that happened after we covered Harry Horse is that Harry's family got in touch with us and told us their side of the story. Now, the the quick and dirty version of what we reported on, that was what we knew, uh, was that in 2007 in Shetland in Scotland, uh, Harry Horse went crazy and murdered his wife who was suffering from MS and then killed himself. And it's this, and we kind of talked about it as, and the pets that he loved that they both loved. Yeah. And we kind of covered it as a cautionary tale. Mm -hmm. Um, I think it was a a phrase we used and about two weeks later, um, Harry's sister Kay got in touch with us and hi Kay. Hi Kay. And, uh, she let us know her side of the story, the family side of the story. Yeah. And upon, I don't know how much I want to go into that right now. I think that's for a later episode. I kind of want to let, mm-hmm. let things Absolutely. develop. Um, but it became very clear to us that there's more, there is a lot more to that. It's not as cut and dry. And um, I mean, like I'm not, I don't think the dude did it anymore at all is kind of where I'm at. I don't know. Yeah, yeah, that's exactly where I'm at is I don't know. I wasn't there. Right. But it's it's certainly a, a really messy and unclear situation that is currently developing, I suppose. So we're going to be talking more about that in some later episodes. But one of the key it always stuck out to me, like one of the key things about about the, the narrative uh, uh, that includes Harry's guilt is that he was crazy because he made this he liked conspiracy theories and UFOs right. and all and mysticism. God, so crazy. We and got aliens, we got pyramids, yeah. we got And then when we played it, we had the impression that the game was made by crazy people because it did get screwed up. It did what Joseph turned here turned us on to is uh that the, the original incomplete. Yeah, the original intention of the game painted a much it was clearer. It was. Yeah. It it had a clear narrative. First off, um, what this product that ended up on the shelves was was a very butchered and 
truncated uh, thing. I don't want to even call it a narrative anymore because it doesn't have an, a genuine narrative structure yeah. to it. it. It barely, it has a ghost of one. And it's the same basically uh, ancient astronaut shit that uh, you had in the 70s with Von Daniken and and the rest. It it jettisoned so much solid detail and so much, um, I don't want to call it clarity because it's a puzzle game. You don't right. want clarity in a puzzle game. It had a linearity to it, at least from the impression I got. I, I should explain further. I actually corresponded directly with Harry in... Uh, I forgot that very important part right. of this. Yeah. In the summer of 2005, I exchanged letters, actual physical letters, with Harry uh, for a short period in the summer of 2005. And I kept up the correspondence on him. It was one-sided at that point until about late spring of 2006. Uh, by that point, uh, due to certain issues I was wrestling with, I misinterpreted his silence as dismissal and cut. But come uh, January of 2007, I was going to start writing him again. I was even going to break, I was even going to break my own rule and go ahead and try and call him. Unfortunately, when I looked him up, I looked up if there was any news about him, lo and behold, he's dead. Wow. And, but it turned out he had kept all of my letters that I sent to him, including the, um, the few that are handwritten, yeah. so I don't have copies of those. Everything else was typed. Um, lo and behold, in mid-2015, Kay wrote to me via my email, which I had unwisely, or wisely in this case, included in one of the letters. And the subject line was Harry Horse. I would have ignored it otherwise. She introduced herself, said that uh, she was his sister. She kept he had kept his letters. He'd kept my letters, actually kept them at on hand, wrapped up in a rubber band in his kitchen, always at hand. Wow. So um, she thought they'd been lost. She found them in some of his personal possessions that made their way to her. And we've been writing back and forth ever since. Um, I have kept my own rule. I don't invade her privacy by asking for a phone number or anything. Um, I'm always very reluctant to do that. First off, she's a busy woman. She has her own life. Uh, she has her own family. And I don't. And what can I really say to her besides, thank you for writing. I really miss Harry. I'm glad that I was able to speak with him. And I hope that my constantly hammering you with <laughs> emails doesn't doesn't upset you so I mean, far it, it didn't, does not because if they did he would have tossed them in the bin and been like oh, oh he, yeah. apparently, he apparently had <laughs> he apparently had lots of correspondence and he tossed a lot of those so i am the only one that's special mr miggs oh god thank <laughs> you i thank you that diagnosis of autism is clearly <laughs> special mr. Miggs. what i do have uh, to be fair i do have a diagnosis of uh having asperger traits so i'm on the spectrum like my kids you know, I'm over here staring at sound sound waves, and I'm, I'm perfectly content with staring at sound waves for like 12 hours straight. We're, spectrum, we're all strange. Folks. It's a spectrum. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Um, Before we go any further, do you want to do the tarot? Yeah. Poll? And Excellent time. We uh, we are doing it off of the Los Carbo UFO Tarot, which uh, for those of you interested is out of print. This deck cost me uh, three figures. Oh my. <laughs> I'm...
Yeah, it's been out of print for about 10 years now, so I, I lucked out and got Special it. Special UFO one. And I've just been handed it. Oh, the back's awesome. What you bought? Okay, I'm going to go from the middle and... Oh, it is... Hold that. Let's see... Oh, this is a very appropriate one for what this. What we got? This is um, two of uh, discs, two of pentacles, I believe. Okay. And we have a horse, and it <laughs> looks like a bug person hybrid. Actually, that's an earth. That's a alien that lives under the earth from a crashed from a crashed UFO. <laughs> oh Jesus! Here's the interpretation for the manual: two of pentacles. A union is positive and causes inner growth when it determines a change. Yeah, that's... Okay, um, uh, for the record, folks, that was a blind poll. And I will swear on a stack of holy texts that it was a blind poll. Uh, it always is. Yeah. It always is, and it's always... Let's so keep it so in, that we can look at it. Yeah, In absolutely. my uh, my knowledge of two of discs, uh, just to call it, because I thought that's the, the Lord of Change. Um, yeah, it's... That would be, uh, I think that's uh, Hokma in in uh, Asaya, which is interesting in the context of the cut Shulk. chapter. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's, there's a there was a cut chapter in Drowned God that was based on Ch- uh, Chokma. <laughs> I can't do the goddamn yeah, Hokma. 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 Okay, Whatever. let the hey, do uh, it. It's so it's, it's, it's yeah. That, let the that's per- <laughs> that, that is perfect. Hokma. That is absolutely <laughs> perfect. <laughs> and yeah, the, so and yeah, the two of Pentacles representative of Hokma too. Um, Interesting, and there is that's oh. and there's a giant white horse on this card, yes, which is just very very interesting. And a animal thing. It's an alien, but it looks like very much. Um, it's a bug. Yeah, a bug headed man, manimal. Bug headed manimal. <laughs> Hell yeah! So, where do you want to start here? My the pale horse. Yeah, hmm. ironic. Um, yeah. Okay. Let Let me give you some background on how I got into Drowned God because yes. it's a little. It's synchronistic in in and of itself. Um, Everything around this came this. Okay. Uh, Sherman set the Wayback Machine for the first Friday in November of 1996. Why that date? Well, I am a graduate student at Kent State University in Ohio. And like all self-respecting graduate students, I had some semi-deplorable habits that got me through uh, the day. Uh, The second worst, in my opinion, was that on a random Friday, I would kick off from my research and my work, and I would grab, I would jump onto the twice-daily shuttle bus that ran between the campus and Akron, Ohio. Oh, sidebar, if you ever want to examine a place where low strangeness is the rule kent state kent ohio is your place i feel like that was brought up on something recently well given that it's the birthplace of fucking devo well yeah there you go, there you go. and when i was oh, there devo devo the like, synth band that's also an inscape game 
Really? There's a Devo Inkscape game, oh, which is Lord. the same company that made Drowned God. Oh, don't know. Oh. It starts already. Okay. Alrighty. Uh, that's scary in and of itself. <laughs> um, uh, okay, we're we're gonna leave. Oh, apparently they also did Where's Waldo? Hell yeah. Inkscape. Devo yeah. presents in. Devo, Waldo is Saint Germain. Yeah, Devo presents Adventures of the Smart Patrol. Oh, for fuck's sake. That's literally the name of the game. Adventures well, of the Smart Patrol? No, is that Devo, us? No, no. Devo presents... Devo adve- presents Adventures of the Smart I'm Patrol. A mem- I'm an honorary member of the Smart Patrol now. Excellent. <laughs> I'm you declaring prove, myself you, so. you prove that with your certificate. Thank you. Um, oh, okay. yes. Uh, okay. Uh, we also were gifted uh, certificates of... Of achievement. Certificates of achievement of My great knowledge. Since, uh, since eighth grade, probably. This is absolutely going on my wall. It says, Certificate of, of Achieving Great Knowledge, hereby presents to Sequoia Kennedy. Upon this date, in the year of our Lord, in recognition of their having gained deep and intricate knowledge accomplished solely by fearless inquiry and exhaustive research of avenues, whether esoteric, sacred, profane, and downright silly, of the medic and societal phenomenon which doth name itself alternatively, the Ascended Masters, Le Comte de Saint-Germain, and the I Am activity, plus the tributaries of knowledge and madness, whose numbers appear nigh unto endless, that flow ever outwards from the same, for sharing said knowledge with the world without fear or edit, and most importantly, for not having gone stark raving insane in the course of said fearless inquiry and exhaustive research, as so many others have fallen before. A.K.A. the Smart Patrol. Yes. Yes. <laughs> and Dude. below and below that is a Latin phrase which I can't recite, but it does say it it translates to where others where all others have have attempted and failed, you alone have succeeded. Ubi multi canati sunt tu solus successisti. Dude, I'm just like so I was seriously so flattered. So hyped by this. on that. Like, Thank you so much. Hey, eight hey, you guys did eight episodes on that. I would have quit <laughs> after CW fucking Ledbetter. <laughs> who, by the way, is in close competition with now Robert Jacobs as being the biggest David Jacobs. David Jacobs. David Jacobs sorry. Sorry, Robert. Uh being <laughs> the biggest piece of slime that is made of seven dollars in household chemicals <laughs> that this species has ever produced. There's some guy named Robert Jacobs right now that's like, oh, what did I do? I liked him. <laughs> Apologies. <laughs> but yes, so okay, back to back you're, to you're where Kent I started. State. Okay, Kent State. My second, like I said, uh, I would hop on the twice daily shuttle bus between the campus and Akron, and I would actually get off at a shopping mall that's just north of Akron called Chapel Hill which I learned a few weeks ago has uh, closed in April of 2021, which is kind of sad because it was a nice shopping mall. Now, this was 1996, before Amazon, before uh, e-commerce and all that. So if you wanted to go somewhere that was colorful and had a lot of stuff to window shop around, that was your place. And like any self-respecting bastion of American consumerism, it had a software store, a computer software store. Now, this is 1996. This is a foreign Uh, concept to some people. I miss miss those stores so much. Yes. Uh, Just go in and look at the boxes. Exactly. In 1996, this was before the console revolution really took off. P.S. Sony had not put out the PlayStation 1, or if it had, it hadn't taken off like it should have, like it was about to. So your only way of... Doing video games, short of an arcade, uh, I'm sure you old-timers will know what that is. Young-timers like these two probably may not have a clue. Um, 
the uh i'm not that young <laughs> Uh, true. Sorry. <laughs> Apologies. Anyway, uh, if you wanted to do home video games, you had to do it on your PC. And the way that uh, computer games were basically advertised was in these stores. On a box, like cereal. It's yeah. like the cereal aisle, except yeah, yeah, there's yeah. a CD and don't eat it. Don't right. put milk on it either. Please don't. Um, and on that particular Friday, product placement being what it is, the front uh, shelf was always showing the new games. There's this big box, which has a gray alien. I'm looking at it now. A giant gray alien. It's a, a giant, giant gray box, alien uh, with, uh, standing in front of uh, a wall of Egyptian hieroglyphics, which quite clearly have gray alien heads surmounting human bodies and not so human bodies. And it says at the base, drowned God under uh, subscript conspiracy of the ages tagline unlock 40,000 years of lies. Whoa. <laughs> and this being 1996, yeah. the X-Files have finally taken off. And it seems like every evening you have some new supernatural or preternatural show on the yeah. set uh not just the x-files not just millennium i'm also talking about sci factor nowhere man uh first wave profiler the pretender um sightings the I undiscovered truth right i know yeah exactly <laughs> it was Okay, it was just this weird zitgeist that was yeah. the 1990s, and went, having lived through the 19, the 70s and the 80s before that, I'm not remotely surprised because those two periods were just really dull. You had all this energy and interest and fascination with the with what's out there, just building up, and it just exploded in the 90s. Yeah, and yeah. Cool. This is where Drowned God came in. Yeah. yeah. Also. I like how on the little review on the front, it's described as ballsy as hell, which would get me to, <laughs> yeah. you know, if the alien didn't convince me, uh, every, ballsy as hell is a great descriptor for a video game. Everything that, that about was from, that package would have just got me. Yeah, yeah, that was wired November 1996. Um, now, when I looked at it, I'm, obviously, I didn't have a, I did not, I did not have my own computer back then. Those things would run you five figures. And I did not have that. I was a poor graduate student. I could barely afford uh, eating in the food court at the mall. Never mind, f drop 50 bucks for a gigantic package for a small... But for th to th unlock 40,000 years of lies, $50 is pretty, like, it's that's pretty, not very it's, much. It's for it's the promise damn, that for, it's making? For, yeah, it's, it's terrific. <laughs> the other problem that I ran into, uh, the lack of hardware aside, was that... It was just talking about so damn much. It was uh, Dare to Link, Ancient Astronauts with the Shadowy Majestic 12, Albert Einstein with the Philadelphia Experiment, the Great Pyramids with Roswell, New Mexico. None of these things have anything to do with one another. And what, <laughs> I, what I realized was what I figured, what I figured, I, I shouldn't say I realized because I hadn't played the game yet. What I figured was that this was attempting to do exactly that, and it was trying to stitched together the grand unified theory of conspiracies which, which is itself a pretty kabbalistic idea exactly and and i wasn't really sold on it the graphics all look beautiful i mean it, it's an absolutely beautiful mm -hmm. game but you didn't buy it first thing when you saw it exactly i could you believe that that moment 
led you to my couch. <laughs> like, what? Oh, it gets it gets better. Now, I went back. I went on with my shopping, uh, window shopping, and I went back about uh, a month later, and it was still on the shelf. It was on the back shelf, uh, not the bargain not the bin yet. Anymore. Yeah, but it was still there. I looked at it again and thought, hmm, they're really trying hard here. Maybe when it's on sale. Exactly. Anyway, uh, I didn't look, I didn't see it after that, but uh, fast forward to uh 1998 about so a couple years later about a year about a year and a half later i have gotten together with i'm living in dc at that point um having graduated from kent and uh, i had a girlfriend in manhattan uh so every we- practically every weekend i would jump on the greyhound shuttle from union station to port authority oof 4 hours it's it's nothing then I'd go over to 14th Street and spend the weekend with her. Uh, I won't go into detail as to what we did, <laughs> but it was fun. Uh, but one one time there, uh, I saw that she had Drowned God on her shelf. No way. Yeah, the, n- not the box. she gotten rid of the box, but the game itself. And I remembered seeing it and thought, hmm, that looks interesting. It, well, it was either that or Spaceship Titanic. And uh, I figured Drowned God would be a little more interesting. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. She popped it. I asked, can we pop it in? Wait, spaceship Titanic. Is that if the Titanic was a spaceship? No, it's actually a um, a Douglas. I believe it's a Douglas Adams novel. Uh. That, but it's <laughs> but they turned it into a text and adventure game. And it worked. Cool. Uh, I'm a huge could, fan of Douglas Adams. I could, I, I could see his books working as that. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, uh, she popped in the first disc, and the opening cinematic just blew me away. As soon as you see that little streaking UFO cra- streaking across the street, hitting the ground and exploding like Tunguska in, in 1904. was it and i've just been taken with this thing ever since i mean clearly yeah yeah and then the rest is history absolutely unfortunately my girlfriend and i broke up not long after over a stupid argument over beanie babies and i could (laughs) and i could not was was your side they're stupid no my side was was that her grandmother who was in the cottage industry of trading beanie babies (laughs) uh, no she was we were visiting her down in florida she gifted me a couple and I asked if I could have could a slightly be a millionaire more... today. No, those things. <laughs> I know it was it was tulip it was tulip fucking fever of two thousand. I swear to I swear I to know, God. I just watched Beanie Mania. 
Uh, Her grandmother gave me a couple as a gift, and I asked if I could have a slightly more colorful iguana, and she accused me of trying to scam valuable Beanie Babies off her grandmother. And we... You scumbag? (laughs) Fuck out of my house. Trying to scam Beanie Babies? Well, I believe it or not... Well, believe it or not, I wow. was, well, believe it or not, I wasn't. I just <laughs> like I just wanted a more colorful iguana, um, and unfortunately, she, she broke up with me not almost immediately thereafter. And I couldn't apologize to her when she called me because I had laryngitis that day. Literally, oh. I literally could not say anything. I've not spoken to her in over twenty years, and if uh, she happens to hear this, I am so sorry, hon. I really am. And this comes and this comes from a guy who has lost his wife. So if I have any regrets, that's one of them. That we didn't no, it's just that we did not part on on better terms than we should have. Fast forward another few years. Uh like I said, I wrote to Harry in the summer of 05. We exchanged letter a few letters. I kept writing to him. He unfortunately passed on in January of 07. About 8 years after that, Kate writes to me and I've been writing back to her ever since she put me on to you guys just this past June yeah. uh, asking my asking me to listen to the two-parter on drowned on Harry and drowned God and I'm that same day I immediately reached out to you and we've been back and forth and ever again since. the rest is history yeah yep, now we are so, so here and we now are. we're in the present let me just say this from the outset. Drowned God is a piece of art that also functions as a massive Rorschach blot for players. It's an incomplete product, obviously. It's not the original intention, uh, the original idea or vision, certainly not of Harry's, not the design team. The game engine is, it sucks. It should have provided nine nine separate paths through the game for each numerological designation you get at the beginning of the game. Right. So at the beginning you put in a name and then it gives you a a numerological. Yeah. And we had been wondering if that was, if there was going to have an effect on the ending of the game. It was, that was the intention. The, what affects the, the decision, the final decision in the game as it's released is whether you go in, whenever you go into Keither or Melkut, there's a door in the side that you can't open. Well, you have the option right. at the end to open that door and you can see what kind of world the, those two lodges would have ultimately created. Oh. Alternately, you can go back to uh, the bequest globe at the and put the last two cards into the crypto wheel. I can tell you what uh, you would see at the... Uh, right, at so these are the ending. three yeah. different endings that right. are available in the game as it is and now. And just to paint a picture, the Keither room is sort of a very 90s-looking board room. Very... Um, yeah. It's 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 what the Illuminati would be sitting in today right, if they right. were real. Yeah, right. And then the uh, Malkuth room was a... <laughs> it looked like what the actual Bavarian Order of the Illuminati would be sitting in in the 1700s. Right. Uh, long wood table and, uh, you know, torches for the 20 or so years that they were actually real. Yeah. Just to, just to paint a picture for people that might not have gone back and listened mm-hmm. to that. <laughs> you can find plenty of walkthroughs in, um, in YouTube. Um, do you guys want me to 
spoil it for you? Or? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Oh, yeah, I've already looked at the endings on YouTube anyway. I have not, but yeah, okay. let's, uh, let's go through them, because I think that, that kind of okay. speaks to... All right, well, Keith, or, um, when you finally speak, when you speak to them the last time, um, they are going on and the, they're raving on and on about how people, have, the human spirit is not meant is? to be shackled by the state. Uh, there's supposed to be true freedom. They even scre- end screaming, all hail Discordia. Anyway, after he's after the mask is done screaming that, uh, it gives you a final card. You can take that card to the side door, open it. You retrieve another card. I think it's the Wheel of Fortune. You put it into the alcove that's in that's beyond that door, and it opens a second door. The second door is basically a a prison cell um, that where everything's chrome. It actually looks semi-livable, but there's a window beyond. All you see beyond is that you are in another, you are in a cell. You have a man in black standing on a balcony looking all around. You've got cameras swerving every which way. There is endless screaming all over the place. Same windows everywhere. It's basically, it's basically Orwell. Giant inside prison. Yeah, Yeah, it's basically Orwell's nightmare. Yeah, yeah. And when the man in black who finally looks up at you, then you get, that's where it ends, and you get the fool card, which we will, which I will address momentarily. The fool card is basically uh, some poor sap actually walking down and he's got his little nap or uh, bindle over his shoulder. Yeah. Sticking rag. Right. Unfortunately, it's now got a hole in the bottom and out drops the, um, the Holy Grail, the Philosopher's Stone, the Rod of Osiris, even the uh, Ark of the Covenant to a gray who's trailing behind him and it and it catches it. Oh, wow. Weird. Right. Yeah. Now, settling to say the least. And then you got Melkit. Now, Melkit, does more or less the same thing. So um, the other second ending, right? Yes. Which in the uh, Kether, if you if you're not if you're not a super up on your Kabbalah, Kether's the top of the tree of life. Malkut's the bottom. It's the, the, crown, yeah, the crown, like the and godhead, the and then the world, the, the above, the below, the kingdom. You know, yeah. the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of earth. Yeah, you know? right. Which goes on and on. Oh God, she goes on about how the garden has to be protected and the earth has to be renewed and all that. And same thing, you get a card from her, from her. By the way, Keter is male speaking. Melkit is female speaking. And these are two different masks in the different rooms. Right. She gives you a card, you take it to the side door, you open it. Um, I think it's strength that open that you get in the second opening. You go in and it's like a, a coffin uh, sitting there, but... It has diagnostics and biomedics readings uh, on the wall, indicating that there's something inside there. So you walk to the window and you see this more rows of these coffins. And there's a man in black who, again, who is walking between them, looks over at you, eyes meet, game ends, and it's the fool again. So on the one hand, you have Keither basically giving everybody the freedom to basically sit in a prison cell under constant surveillance Mm -hmm. and Melkit basically having everybody being 
genetically redesigned to something that isn't quite as invasive or destructive to the world. At least that's my interpretation. Yeah. Oh, in each point, uh, you have kind of a vague P, uh, PA system in the background, basically reading off uh, statuses and saying sector anthill, sector anthill, sector anthill. <laughs> makes you wonder. I just want to try to like work work through that for a second. So I'm having I'm having thoughts about it. Right. It's like so to me that's it's 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 it, it's it's another representation of like a, you know a type of duality um, mm-hmm. and a type of like masculine feminine yang yin duality and then represented in two different essentially dystopias. You know the the tree hugging <laughs> hippie nightmare and the corporatized um, surveillance state nightmare. One and I, you, you can kind of another parallel to this would be like if you look at the split between um, this is something like Solomonic magic versus like pagan witchcraft and mm-hmm. stuff. Uh, there's like a with the witchcraft side of things, there's a sort of submission to the forces of nature, the the spirits around you and stuff. Right. And with like, like the you Solomonic, worship them, you do right, you um, cooperate you with them, devotional acts. For them, yeah, work and, with them, and then the Solomonic shit has a has it's a hubris. Like you work for me. You work for me. Yeah, right. yeah, and that's um, and then of course there's like as with all things, there's probably a middle path that is <laughs> which, at the actual escape. Which ironically enough is exactly where you end up with with the third option, which is putting both of the two first two cards that you get into the crypto wheel back in the bequest globe, and it the portal opens again but this time you, it opens to a a legion of gray aliens who they have nutrient tanks in the back and maybe it's hybridization going on there but you hear the voice uh that they speak in saying we are coming we are legion you may return to us in the time of revelation we will wait for you and that's when it ends and then wow. the, and then over the uh over the um and credits in all three instances is recitation of the murder of Osiris, which is, Mm. which is a recurrent thing that keeps showing up in each, uh, each point of the, uh, of the game, each round. Yeah, the rod of Osiris is like a big thing throughout it, right? Well, the rod of Osiris is one of the relics, uh, but it's not a holy relic. It's actually a piece of technology, just like the Holy Grail is just a time is just a time travel machine right. within the game. Within yes. the game, within the game. <laughs> to, be clear. to be clear, the whole if there is any if there is any point to the game, it's that you are hunting for four relics. Uh, the Holy Grail in Bina, which is just a device that allows you to bring together two fixed points in time, even though time itself is just an abstract concept. Um, the Rod of Osiris in Chesed, which is billed as a catalytic converter, basically it it breaks up the molecular bonds of uh, composites. It turn it breaks up uh, water into oxygen and hydrogen, and therefore provides endless fuel. Or mm. it could turn Lake Michigan into a planet cracking bomb. Oh, that's like um, that's like the 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 wands in all the underground. Alien myths, like the Vril mm-hmm. stuff. You oh, know? oh, yeah, like this abundant energy source. Yeah, and they always have like the, the wand uh-huh. that... Yeah, 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 yeah. Yes. 
or it could uh, terraform Mars in a day by breaking up uh, the uh, regolith sand on the surface and break it up into an atmosphere. We got to get one of these. Yeah. Well, rod, I feel like the a rod is a very, just a symbol of masculine Absolutely. energy. Absolutely. Yeah. You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So the, this the one, creative transformative power. Yes. Right. Um, in Din, which is a very misnamed uh, realm, I'll expl- uh, as I will explain later. Yeah. That, um, that, that, was a, that was a thing that stuck with me. I was very confused by that. Even though I didn't play through it when I saw the description, I was like, what is, what I'll, is this? I, I saved a few points for you. So, um you're looking for the philosopher's stone, which is just a an an energy source. It's a it's basically a pentacle or a, a, a star shaped stone that just radiates energy, not just physically, not just raw radiation, but on what um, John Keel in the Eighth Tower referred to as the super spectrum. Yep, and the super. Uh, I knew I forgot something. I meant to bring my copy of The Eighth Tower for you. I just uh, finished listening to the audiobook of The Eighth Tower and Operation okay. Trojan Horse. Okay. And then I bought the copies on, on the Kindle. So I've been, <laughs> um, I've been deep in that. <laughs> uh, th- fun fact. Uh, the Eighth Tower was actually material that was originally in the Mothman Prophecies. Yeah. It was just excised by the editors, so he published it separately. Good. Okay. I'm glad he did. Yeah. And Chokma or Chokma has what what they are billing as the Ark of the Covenant, uh, based on what l- few clues they dropped in the game. That seems to be a missile, and it might actually be some kind. It's a nuke. It's a nuke, but how bi- how powerful a nuke? Personally, I don't think it's nuke. I think it's actually <laughs> a delivery system for an NI payload that was that would work hyper efficiently and just clean the world by breaking everything down into gray goo mm. at least that's my thought gray goo that's a thing in, in science fiction oh yeah nanobots mm-hmm. so and or strange matter so that's those, so those are, are the, the three, four relics yeah. those are the four relics those are the three endings that we ended up with now they were talking almost immediately about doing a sequel it was going to be Drowned God Cult. Right. Let me sidebar. Drowned God, he did not get this name from George R.R. R. Martin. Right, right, right. The right. Westeros deity, such as it was, wasn't introduced until 1999. So this yes. predates it. In fact, Drowned God predates the X-Files. They actually started production on it, I believe, in 1993. And it took three years of programming and work to actually uh, produce this. So... In a way, he kind of got ahead of... He was ahead of the curve a little. Yeah. Yeah, because it is like one of the... It is a perfect like distillation of 90s paranormal conspiracy paranoia. Absolutely. It is the best example of that aesthetic and like feel. That and then vibe. when you're done with it, you can play Where's Waldo? Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> Just ground yourself a little. Is that really grounding? <laughs> yes, it is. <laughs> It is because yeah. you're because you're looking at the most. Because you prosa- can actually find him. Yes, and <laughs> and the fact that you're lo- trying to find him in a perfectly normal crowd. There is yeah. nothing. There is nothing paranormal going on in yeah. any Where's Waldo book. So where's Waldo? Oh, there he is. There was some weird, weird <laughs> Where's Waldo scenes. I used to get lost in those for hours. Exactly. Yeah, it was so good. It is grounding. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm. Anyway, that's. Uh, those, that's the ending. That's the overall play. Um, the We Are Legion ending 
That's yeah. like, so the other two endings, they're freaky, right? They're kind of scary. But for some reason, that alien one really unsettles me. Mm. Is it supposed to? Is that supposed to be the good ending? That Well, that's the thing. Is that like... Because it doesn't feel that although good. Although, it could of- speak to... It could be a ex- extremely pessimistic view of reality. Um, and it could be the, the middle path is, is the path of ascension to godhood. Right. Returning to the legion, you know, mm-hmm. return to us like maybe as one of us or um it, isn't we, like we are legion isn't that a line from the bible because it seems like the two the other two the other points. two are prisons of their own yeah, yeah. of, their, of yeah. their own type and whereas the the middle path might not be a good ending but it is a everything, not a prison okay. i hate to say it everything's relative in this yeah 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 i yeah. mean as you said a you know, it's a Rorschach test. So the Christian New Testament Gospels of Matthew eight twenty eight through 34, Mark and Luke describe an incident in which Jesus meets a man, or in Matthew, two men, and these men are possessed by demons. And when asked what their name is, they respond, my name is Legion, for we are many. Sure, those weren't just like two Roman soldiers. You know, who are you? And be like, oh, we're part of the Legion. Yeah. Yeah. Would, <laughs> it would not surprise me at this point, honestly. And keep in mind that none of the Gospels were contemporaneous to uh, the life of right. a certain young carpenter from Nazareth. But prison, I mean, wait, I, I... Wait, wait, wait. This is relevant. Okay. Sorry. Let's <laughs> have um, Okay. So, Legion, the demons of the Gadarenes, or Gadarenes? I don't... Yeah, uh, the Gadarenes. Gadarenes. From Federal Hill, the Gadarenes. it's the name given in two of the three new testament accounts of the exorcism that's connected with something called the gadarene swine so this is an event where jesus performed a miracle where he exorcised demons out of a man and put the demon into a herd of pigs (laughs) which caused the pigs to run down a hill into a lake and drown themselves drowned pig pig yeah so um, just bringing it up i should mention <laughs> okay uh if you look on the side of the uh box yeah pig man um yeah oh my in, pig in, man is also hat man yeah uh, actually in the what little we have of shokma uh it takes place in a diner on uh the four corners area of the american southwest in the future that's what you're yeah, right in the future um it's abandoned at the time that you come in. And um, at one point, uh, he, this character who has a the head of a pig but is dressed like a cowboy, <laughs> um, comes in, reappears, and after a little dialogue, hands you the, hang, the hanging man card. And uh, one of my save points includes uh, the appearance or the projection of manimals, which I showed Willow before you came in, before you arrived. Oh, you can, I'll show it to you once more. Yeah, yeah. Harry, in one of his letters to me, Harry mentioned that there is this idea. I don't know if it's a, if it's an actual legend or just something somebody invented out of whole cloth. The prohibition in some religions about eating uh, pork right. comes from an ancestral memory of another people who killed themselves in a nuclear disaster. And pigs, modern pigs, 
are their mutated descendants. Oh, my. Yeah. They didn't kill themselves in a nuclear disaster, though. That was Jesus putting demons in them. That's yeah, what exactly. made them do it. yeah, at this point, I can that's believe That's why that. they killed themselves. I can believe oh, it. Oh, that's I've never heard that before. I love it. Yeah, it's it's unsettling yeah. and it sounds so plausible. <laughs> in a strange like you can way. It. You can say it. Like, I mean, if we're descendants of monkeys, who's to say there's not some other humanoid like on some other alternate dimension who descended from pigs instead? I Hey, Harry's last piece of art before he uh, before he was taken from us. Um, the Minotaur. It, the Minotaur. Well, mm-hmm. it was. It, it was called. Animal. It was called uh, Atlantis Rising, and I actually have a copy of it. Well, a, a mm-hmm. photo of it. Um, and we'll post a picture of it yeah, again for sure. My interpretation of that is he's either the last Atlantean, because the blurb that Harry had with it uh, basically it it uh, reflected that. There were claims that in Atlantis you had uh, men with the heads of bulls and the wings of ange- of eagles and so on and all sorts of animals and his those concepts have been rightly tossed in the dustbin of history. Um, right. My interpretation of the image is that this this isn't a minotaur. This is a sentinel um, who is either. Over, overseeing the last spires of Atlantis as they sink beneath the waves, or he is present when the waves are receding and it's Atlantis rising is up rising up. Yeah. Future or past, it doesn't matter. The important thing is, is that this individual, dour and alone as he is, watches this happen and is helpless to either in, prevent it or ensure it. Right. It's it, the, out of the, his hands. Right. It, the important thing is that it's witnessed. Right. Right. That's a pretty sad testament to the fact that we are helpless in the face of so much, but it's also perversely reassuring that uh, other <laughs> hey, people yeah. have had the same issues. Right. Yeah. Can I speak to some of the themes that I've yeah. teased out of this? Um, yeah. I, I was just. Uh, I was pulling up some stuff to see if I could find some some of my own questions to ask. So I don't think I wasn't uh, paying attention no. doing the uh, okay doing the old unprepared for an interview and never did an interview in my life thing. First podcast for me, so who am I to speak? I'm very aware. Let me preface this by saying I'm very aware of the propensity of humans to look for patterns and it, as and assume patterns where none actually exist. Right. Well, or maybe they exist, but are they meaningful or not? Exactly. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But here's the thing. Sometimes those patterns do actually, they're there, and uh-huh. you have yeah. to acknowledge them. And with Drowned God, I found two that are just recurrent throughout. One is, you hinted at it earlier, the juxtaposition of things. Everything in this game juxtaposes itself. Yeah. From between, forget Keter and, Mal- and Malkit. Those two are, and they tie into the second thing that I'll talk about, but them aside, every realm that you go into, every side realm. Has an upper and a lower, a hidden outer level, and then something, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. Being on the surface, it's Dark Ages Britain, which is an unpleasant, 
uninviting place. And beneath it, you have Da Vinci's Workshop. The Renaissance. Gilt, gilt, gilded and light and warm, and it's constructing new things. It's interesting that it's the thing that the Renaissance was built out of the Middle Ages. Exactly. And this, it's it's in the earth. It's under it. Right. As if it was supporting it. And and to the side, you have uh, Einstein and Newton. Right, and oh, they yeah. are, but they are engaged in this pointless argument about <laughs> how the universe is constructed. And the truth is, neither of you know exactly. They <laughs> they they uh, they determined a piece of it. Newton was an empiricist. Einstein was much more theoretical because he was going deeper than what we saw on the in the tower that you go to on the ferry. You have Morgana in her tower. At the top, yep. and you have who is a, Morgana properly understood. She is the feminine spiritual aspect of the Arthurian legend. Yeah, she's gotten a very bad rap. Over, very bad across. Rap. And I mean, look the, at Eve. And look at. Mm-hmm. <laughs> let's look at Lilith instead, and yeah, true. discuss that. She's a fucking demon. Um. At least that's how she's depicted, wrongly, in my opinion. I agree. But at the base of the tower, when you go in, what do you find? A Templar knight. A Templar knight. The Templars are not, uh, they were a chivalric order, but they were religious fanatics. Mm -hmm. And not to mention, they were complete idiots at points. (laughs) I mean, you kind of have to be to just go start marching across across the world. What this, and this guy that we run into, you had it right. This guy is the most worthless bag of bones. He's dead. And he's so drunk, he doesn't realize that he's dead. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And this, of course, was the puzzle that took us the better part of our playthrough because you have to literally cheese your way through it with, like, saves and stuff. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah. um, For the record, uh, the the drinking game is not actually that difficult. The difficult thing is is that... Tell me that. (laughs) Well, the, the difficult thing is is that you have to always have the cup on a safe spot, uh... On your turn, and here are the safe spots. They change with every configuration of the board. Okay. It's a nightmare. No, it is a total nightmare. (laughs) So this is why I scanned the uh, the manual to you and sent it to you guys, because I gave Willow my uh, updated disc disc that can run on a 64-bit system. Oh, wow. This thing was only designed to go on a 32-bit. So modern computers can't uh, really deal with it unless you have it uh, altered like this Formatted one. Formatted correctly. Right. So to get back to the, um, juxtaposition. the idea of juxtaposition. Uh, right. That's just Bina. In Chesed, it's even weirder. I mean, on the top, you have the Mayan pyramids and temple. Below, you have an alien machine that calls itself Noah <laughs> that, built, that actually builds life out of pieces. And then off the and then off the shore you have the USS Scorpio, which is actually the USS Scorpion. There's never been a USS Scorpio in, on any of the rolls. It's a nuclear submarine, it, and that is where the Rod of Osiris is hiding. But it's not hiding in a complete piece, and it's it, that that's just a nightmare. But the juxtaposition there, stone construct on the top, flesh underneath. You also get to find out what happened to Flight 19 from Fort Lauderdale in in Chesed. Mm. It's also where you actually hear the story of the murder of Osiris actually spoken aloud by the Mayan constructs. 
this is an Egyptian uh, right, right. this is an Egyptian uh, story told by Mesoamericans. Oh, that's wild. Then there's Din. And when I say that this place is misnamed, on the top, steam pipes and steam bowls, and that's it. It's mm. it's it's silent. A few buildings here and there, but it's silent. On the surface world. On the surface. Underneath, there's a clanking machine that just turns and turns and turns, but doesn't do anything. Interesting. I'll explain my interpretation yeah. of that in a little bit. But there's all, there are a few other things. There's a control capsule on the top. There's kind of a reading room slash temple on rails elsewhere. And underneath by the machine is the Theater of Memory, which is a steampunk carnival, which has exhibits of uh, St. Germain, uh, Carl Jung, Aleister Crowley, and, the, and of all things, the Man in the Iron Mask. Weird. <laughs> Very weird. Yeah. I, I agree. And uh, anyway, Chokma, God only knows what Chokma would have be right been like. Um, because... Because it was so truncated. And they did drop a, a bit of a hint in the game itself. In the theater of memory in the, in the lobby, there are three kind of murals that are actually maps of the realms. You won't mm. understand them unless you've actually played through them. Right, right. What we see with Din is aliens out in the desert, uh, kind of zippy, line, zippy conduits from the desert, down to what I'm presuming is underground bunkers, because supposedly uh, there's this massive industrial military complex literally underneath the Four Corners area. I've heard that. Yeah, I've but it's, it's not Area 51. Area 50, the Nellis Gunnery Range is in uh, Nevada, which is nowhere near the Four Corners. Yeah, yeah. Is uh, Dulce... Dulcie base near there, supposedly. Alleged. Supposedly. And then somehow the hanged man connects that to the Great Pyramids of Giza, which, according to other hints that they drop, that's where the Ark of the Covenant lies mm. or is hidden. That's a good spot for it. Yeah. My, what I think he was going to juxtapose was how cultures address looking to the future. There's a there's an old saying, the best way to predict the future is to invent it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. The Egyptians didn't try to invent the future. They they looked towards the afterlife as something to journey to. Right. And you took provisions for it. It, it was just another journey. What we in the modern era, we don't know what the future is going to be, so we try to we constantly try and build it. Hence, Deleuze space and whatever they're doing underneath there. I mean, you've read you you read that piece that I wrote, and yeah. um, it's kind of big. Let me read from the manual uh, the one bit that they uh, wrote about Chokma. By the way, Chokma is supposed to equal fire in this. Uh, yeah. In this, uh, I have seen the future. Witness the horrors that nightmares are made of. Buildings unlike our own, built beneath the ground. Experiments using human flesh. Machines of mutilation. Weapons that poison. Devices that drive the enemy mad with sound. I cannot describe the instruments of torture. I have no science to bear witness to what I saw. But there are creatures here, stored in vessels, similar to those I saw in Chesed, that are not of this earth. 
And then he goes on a bit of a bit about uh, the last days and, and the like. But mm. a lot of that sounds like it could be about today. Yeah. Well, Chokma was supposed to take place in today or at least the near future. Yeah. Right. I mean, uh, in because everything except like that. Well, who knows what what tubes full of goop yeah. and experimental bodies exist. Um, mm-hmm. But everything else is like check, check, check. Yep. Got that. Got that. Got that. In uh, in what little you can play in Chokma in the. Um, diner itself is this boombox a boombox by the way folks is a combination media player and radio back in the day when i was young uh, as young as willow here so it's that was a while back by the way (laughs) (laughs) called an arcadia dream machine it's basically a radio and some of the you can tune this you're supposed to hear a monologue by edgar case of all people but some of the stations, some of them are talk radio, and they're talking about uh, aliens and the secret government. Others are of uh, audience shows. One of them is a newscast about how a militia has taken over, I think, uh, Idaho or Oregon. And uh, Senator Bill Gates is engaged in a hostile takeover of Disney, which apparently involves... Uh, Involves actual troops being deployed. Now, you know, obviously, in, in this is future. crazy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. In some future, in some alternate world, it's not could yeah. have happened. It's not outside of the realm of possibility so much that it's like super in, insane. Different gears could have like, clicked into different places, then, and you know, you know. then perhaps. <laughs> I mean, Chokma for me, to my eyes, Chokma is that one thing that is always coming but never quite arrives the future mm. and i mean bina is the past chesed is the present din din is the mind it's the in between exactly exactly and again the ju- again just the juxtapositions of everything even even the sequence of the worlds i mean bina and din are clearly mimetic constructs they're they're more psychological than anything else hmm Whereas Chesed and Chokma, those are actual places that you can walk around and mm. actual physical places. So it's mental versus physical. Again, you're leapfrogging between the two. Even, like, even, the char- even the characters that you encounter, it's it's an almost constant and interact with to an extent. It's almost a constant juxtaposition. Mm-hmm. You, ha- you start with um, in Bina. You have the knight who's uh, a Christian fanatic versus uh, Morgana. Morgana, who is an inhuman but spiritual entity. In keeping with the, the, the above and below thing, the mind and the physical world, Catherine Malkuth, we have, you know, the, the underground Da Vinci's lab. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then above it is these Middle Ages myths and legends from a time before the renaissance and stuff mm-hmm. it's the it's the thing in the subconscious in the mind in the higher self that is informing the drawings of leonardo informing the invention and stuff and uh, mm-hmm. also you have the templar knight although dead <laughs> yeah. you have this templar knight uh below um morgana as a demon as this mm-hmm. infernal terrible thing and that's i think representative of the you know a uh, a projection of the subconscious of the Templar Knights, what the Templar thought they were fighting against, and especially 
I mean, even including, you know, uh, the divine feminine and yep. shit, like, or just desert demons that they were going to go slay. Yeah. Um, and the fact oh, that's, just that you, a, that's an interesting you, thing. You can't get past the night either unless you place your um, your piece in a, the right place. Where that is, I don't know, but you better hope that it's the right place unless you have the manual, which guess what? Life doesn't come with. Yes, it does. It's called the Bible. The King James Version. Yeah. <laughs> that is, I'm sorry, but the the King James Bible, in fact, every Bible, is pretty much the biggest murder of trees this side of the works of <laughs> Anne Rand, and I and I hate that woman. I'm I'm sorry, the Hebrew the Hebrew scriptures is probably the best um transcription of the Jewish uh life and history based on its oral traditions, but the Book of Revelations is the most successful piece of propaganda this side of Mein Kampf. It's certainly the most prevalent, and uh, let's be honest, I mean, it is nothing more than... Every doomsday cult. Exactly. Yeah. Every single one. It's like, we know what the Book of Revelations is about. Oh, we're T and Doe. We're the two witnesses. <laughs> no. Like, yeah, okay, get yeah. in your spaceship. <laughs> put, your, put your Nikes on, get out of here. Yeah. <laughs> It was really bad in the 90s because uh, you had this sudden resurgence of people so frightened of the millennium. Right. And But um, the fact that in 95, you had back-to-back, you had the Aum Shinrikyo uh, gas attacks on the Tokyo yeah. subway system. And this is a Buddhist cult. And then you had uh, the Murrah building bombing right, in right. 95. And it, suddenly the militia movement was... You know, on everybody's lips. Right. The militia movement is by no means new. Right. I mean, yeah, the seventy, exactly. the seventies saw a huge blast of it. I, I saw uh, my my father's always talked about this. How he, he's he thought it was really interesting when the like computers and the internet first happened. He's he says he started to see all these conspiracy theories and all this stuff start getting blended together. And I I read someone I'm not sure who, but they described the um, you know kind of the the stuff that started with like Bill Cooper and the the whole nineties vibe. It was like the they use the phrase, uh, the book of revelations with black helicopters. Absolutely. And that's, yeah. 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 The helicopters, man. It's, look for people of a certain age, the nineties can be summarized best, uh, by that classic line from Yul Brenner in the King and I, it is a puzzlement. <laughs> personally, personally, I prefer the last line of dialogue from, uh, the novel, the sand pebbles. What the hell happened? Because <laughs> um, it was it was weird to live uh-huh. through that and to actually see it all just explode. Now the the internet has been great for a lot of things. It's it's unleashed a hell of a lot of creativity and allowed a, a lot of it to be disseminated. But on yeah. the other hand, it's also allowed people to actually link up with some very disturbed minds. Yeah. And it's allowed disturbed and minds to cross out from there. Right. And to cross minds. It's worse. Yeah. It's, yeah. I mean, QAnon, again, in a way, Drowned God kind of presaged that by yeah. warning us. They warned us from the outset in the trust too deeply and you'll know the wickedness in men's hearts. Yeah. And yeah, that yeah. and that is actually the other uh trend that I saw, the other pattern I saw in in the game. Imprisonment. Yes, Um, very much. I mean, the the knight is just as much a prisoner as Morgana is, and Morgana has her hands uh, basically in stocks. Mm -hmm. He's stuck with his uh, with his drink and his uh, his sense of I hate to say it of persecution. Yeah, 
in Chesed, you encounter Horus, the last gray. And he is a prisoner of the water, and he's actually begging you to kill him. Because it, that's one of the options you have in there. You can either leave him alive, which doesn't affect the game, or you can kill him, which again doesn't affect the game. <laughs> uh, I suspect that these decisions, as you go, as you were going to progress through the original idea, would have impacted how uh, what or what you would de- would deal with down the road. So, what'd you do? Or have, I've, I assume you've done both. I've done both. I flipped a coin. What did each you do time. first? What I. I killed him. I admit. Um, I mean, yeah. On the he other asked hand, you to. On the other he hand, on the other hand, this is Horace who actually uh, spearheaded and planned the murder of Osiris. Yes. So him being imprisoned it for all time and never dying is seems an appropriate punishment. Oh, okay. Uh, so the whole uh, age of Osiris, age of Horus thing. That's that was Alistair Crowley's. Uh, yeah, that's the whole thing about the Lama. And we're in the age of Horus and stuff. Now, these guys that I haven't yet read keep coming back up. So you know how there's that, there's that whole um, the whole Kenneth Grant side of Thalema that we've yeah. been talking about without knowing uh, anything H. P. about Lovecraft it. Lovecraft incorporating yeah. fiction so into. I forget if it was. I forget if it was Kenneth Grant or if it was uh, Freda Rakad, but their take on whichever one of them it was. I'm sorry. Uh, their take on it on Thelema was that the age of Horus was a very brief period in the 20th century. And then that we're now in another age, the age of Mott, I think. Mm-hmm. And I wonder, wonder Mott, if that, well, that Mott, Mott from what, uh, from my limited reading of her, um, she was, she's very nurturing and she's very, she has a very strong, I hate to say it's social conscience. So maybe mm. I, maybe my reading is limited, but um, I've got the four, uh, the literal forty two um, lessons or statements of Mott uh, on my cube at work. Yes, I work at it. Uh, uh, for the record, I'm a municipal civil servant in the city of New York. I'm Hell not yeah. going to say which agency because then you will never take me seriously. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not in law enforcement. I'll say that much. But, um, yeah, I, I have that on my desk and I look at it whenever I start to feel myself kind of fugue out. So it, it yeah, helps. Yeah. Cool. I don't know anything about Mott. I don't even know if that's the right God, but that's mm. cool. <laughs> it would be interesting. Um, but uh, also the other prisoner. I mean, the rod itself is kind of a prisoner of the um, of the submarine because... The USS Scorpio in the game has the same engines as the USS Eldridge did for the Philadelphia experiment, and that's why it is sitting at the bottom of the ocean amid the ruins of Atlantis, apparently. (laughs) Um, Still functional, but totally empty of life. There is one crew member that you see on there, and you will, Sequoia, you will freak when you see what happened to this poor sod. Oh, no.
Um, in Din, you have a relic hunter sitting, wandering around inside the the uh, the machinery underneath uh, the surface. But he he ends off better than most. He actually dies at, uh, after he wanders around and runs into you. Well, more accurately, a doppelganger breaks off and kills him, and that's his that's his end. But um, hmm. again, you've read the piece, so you know you have some idea about what I'm talking yeah, about. Yeah, yeah. Um, but there are other prisoners there. Um, and I can only imagine what we would have seen in Chokma. Um, accor- I like, sorry, I want to make a note to talk more about the doppelganger yes. in the game, too. And this, mm-hmm. like, this other self, this, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. That entity. Kill or be killed or integrated or what do you do with it? Well, I mean, I'm going to say it for the hundredth time. Willow, you need to watch Twin Peaks hmm. for the love of God. <laughs> Which one? All of it. Mainline it right yeah, now. Yeah, I agree. Do it three times. Yeah. You, <laughs> you got, it's the one thing that you have, have to block off 48 hours and just binge watch. Just do it. Yeah. All, like devote, all in 2022. Three. Yeah. I'm going to get my driver's well, license. And, and I'm going to watch. And Twin the great Peaks. thing is the, the <laughs> majority of season two that is universally fairly universally hated. I think you will actually like way too much. Who, I hates, think, who could hate season two? I'm not a big fan of the of I don't I don't like James. I don't think he, I don't Nobody like his whole likes thing. James. James I, doesn't like James. James definitely doesn't Do like James. Do you like to hate him though? Do you uh, him? not really. It's just a hilariously bad soap opera plot that On the other hand, well, on the other hand, um you can't dislike you can you can't dislike James. You can hate him, but yeah. you can't dislike him. It's like it's like hating it's like hating a um a kitten. Oh my god. <laughs> And I've got um, stories about kittens that scare the hell out yeah, of me, yeah. but um, you can't hate them. You can dislike them. James is kind of the opposite. Yeah, exactly. He is. He's the anti-kitten. Uh, and then, I mean, Confederate Ben Horn is wonderful. Look at that. That could be something. Mm. We could be have a side Twin Peaks podcast where we go through every oh. episode, and you're the one that's see, like already seen the whole thing, and I'm only seeing it one episode at a time, so we can talk about it like... That, yeah, we're together. doing that. That's that's okay. Patreon. That's a Patreon All thing. Right. Yeah. Alright. Yeah. Uh, okay, I'll just let me know where the link <laughs> is, and I'll and I'll spot you guys. Okay, um... So, between the juxtapositions and the, the recurrent theme of being imprisoned. I mean, even... So even Melkit and Keither, they're they're prisoners of their own ideology, even though those ideologies mirror each other right. almost perfectly. And at one point it's suggested in the in the lore of the manual that they're basically on the same side. They're just guarding jealously one strand of knowledge, thinking that it's divine inspiration. Right. Right, when right. in fact it's not. It's just one factoid and they and they're misinterpreting it. Yeah, it's, it's important. It's they're they're both strands that spin off from the unknowable godhead. Exactly, yeah. and again, it's it should not be taken literally. I mean, right. that, it, right. none of this should be. It's no. it's just a caution. If there's anything about drowned god, it's a caution. Don't surrender your your whole self or your whole mind to a, a singular ideal because it's not going to work. 
Yeah. First off, it's not going to work. Right. Secondly, so many it, contradictions it, everywhere, always. Exactly, and they're it, and they're displayed in the game. Like it's not just duality either. It's right. like it's not this or that. It's this or that or that or that or that, and maybe all of those things at once, perhaps. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that brings us to the fool at the end. Uh, the fool, as in my reading of tarot, is of all the major arcana, it's the most powerful because mm-hmm. it's. It's a blank slate. It's the beginning. The it's end. potential. It, yeah. yeah, and the the journey is just started. It's the person is not formed, or opinions are not formed. Another reading, obviously, is a is an idiot who is just blithely wandering <laughs> into danger. Yeah, he's about to walk off the cliff. Oh no, stop! Or he's looking out exactly at, at the beautiful expanse. Exactly. We don't know. So, he doesn't know until he gets there. Yeah. And. Thank you. That that was my entire point. I mean, and this is where our journey has brought us. I right. mean, this this is art. This yeah. is highest art, in fact, because it is so well formed. It is so detailed. It is so intricate, yet incomprehensible in a way. In a way, yeah. And it supports so many narrative and theoretical interpretations. It's just, it seems like it's, it's a thing made for very specific a audience because Harry was right. a artist. Like, you're not like, like <laughs> you don't start off this game where you're the protagonist and you have like an end goal and you got to beat the big bad boss at the end of every level. Yeah. Yeah. And like, yeah, you won the game. It's not, you know, what have you won? I mean, that that's one of the things in my, uh, letters to Harry, I, I tried to figure out, I tried to game out what Chokma would have led to. And the conclusion I had was that, okay, even if you get all four relics, even if you install all four relics into the crypto wheel, which is what happens throughout the game, what can you actually accomplish? Because these conspiracies that are theoretically in control of the world, they're not actually in control of it. It's people. And people... These are the ideas that infect... Or right. uh, heal people. Right. And unfortunately, like what we're experiencing right now, you've got a sizable sliver that is just embracing this insane, these insane ideas. Mm-hmm. Never mind. Nasera. Nasera's yeah. come back. Nasera is now QAnon's shiny thing. Uh, you heard it here, folks. As of January 2022, QAnon has gone full Nasara. Mm. Never mind the anti-vaxxers. Oh, God. I mean, how do you free people whose chains are entirely what they believe and what they arrange their their lives around? Yeah. Ridiculous as it is. I mean, you could, with those four relics, you could theoretically destroy any conspiracy. But first you have to get to them. First you have to find them. First you actually have to corral them. But what, then what do you do? I mean, you've just killed a, you've just killed one thing and there's still a thousand more conspiracy theories out there. Right. And people will believe what they want to believe regardless. Regardless. It's true. You can present them with the literal rod of Osiris and they'll be like, meh, I got Jesus. <laughs> I mean, I, I, I think a lot of it is, it's, it's. It's it's self-doubt and a lack of individual empowerment that leads to thinking that someone can be in control, that someone 
please, for the love of God, has to be steering this ship. Yeah. That's what Alan Moore. That's what Alan Moore has repeatedly yeah. pointed out. That the scariest realization about the modern world is that nobody's in control. Right. Mm-hmm. Hence, you want somebody in control. Absolutely. And you, more, or you want to believe that there's somebody in control. But guess what? There's, there's no rudder on the ship. There's no steering wheel. There's no sail. I mean, we're just on a, on this rickety thing going with the waves. Yeah. And like it or not, um, that's a, that's the situation we're in. Yeah, we are the fool always. Like in in from from every moment forward, we have no idea what what's right around the bend. You know, mm-hmm. I saw some one terrifying article the other day. It was like, you know, a small scale nuclear war might actually reverse climate change. I'm like, why don't just stop right yeah, now? Just, just stop. We like, don't, don't need to publish these ideas. <laughs> but I, how do you think? Like, there's always like this thing of like the the we we can have the best predictions in the world, all this other stuff. What if like the course of history was like, oh, oh yeah. And then there was a small scale nuclear war and the whole climate tipping point thing was just erased because of that, ah, you know, Ukraine's gone, but like climate change isn't a thing. But, like that, like anything really can happen. You really can't. Mm-hmm. No. So we, we are just, we're, we're adrift always. Yes. The, the unknown is a huge thing looming in life always. I mean, when you look at classical uh, sci-fi, um, not science fiction, I, I distinguish between mm. the two. Um, you have the two the two seminal works that everybody's talking about these days: Dune and Foundation. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and both of those um, have a strong emphasis on. Okay, this is going to sound this is going to sound weird. On actual prediction of the future. In Foundation, it's psychohistory, which is just an elaborate mathematical, statistical tool for basically predicting um, the course of events based on interactions of a mass of people in the billions. Yeah. Um, But what does it ultimately tell us? That, okay, the Galactic Empire is going to fall in about 300 years, and there's going to be 30,000 years of darkness, and then a new empire will emerge okay yeah you just described uh the course of human events across a, no- a long enough scale yeah yeah it's right. a, the way and, i'm saying is shit happens right <laughs> and then in dune it's prescience but it's prescience on um kind of a, a tight scale because the guild the spacing guild uses it to navigate literally because they're just jumping across space they they're not jumping across space they're literally moving faster than the speed of light but they have to make sure that the there's nothing in the way yeah 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 but prescience is still future prediction or seeing the future. That's a terrible thing, huh. in my opinion, anyway. First off, if you see the future, does that mean that you're going to arrange for it to actually happen? Or right. is it something that can be built? And again, can it be changed? Right. I've seen that so, Raven. <laughs> oh. I haven't. She always tries to make the thing that she sees not happen, and then it happens anyway. Oh, and she's like, oh my God, the thing that I predicted is happening. Like, that's so... Raven is living her own personal hell. <laughs> she just keeps seeing all the ways that she's going to embarrass herself. Yeah. And then and then it happens. I think one of the... So to get back to Drowned God, I think that one of the tragic things about the game is that it it didn't, for a lot of people, or on a, it didn't on a mass scale spark these types of conversations. Right. It was, yeah. it was like a puzzle game. And like, I... There's some games, like, I, I love video games, and there's some that recently have, have done some great work in, in telling stories and doing things that only games can do. 
Mm-hmm. Um, You're thinking Mass Effect, aren't you? No, I'm thinking Tetris Effect in VR is oh, the one that comes okay, to mind. Okay, and okay. that's, uh, there. it's very cool. It's uh, music and visuals linked together to create a sense of synesthesia within the, and these insane visuals and beautiful music. While you and while you're playing Tetris, which there have been VR. studies on about how it affects the brain in a very weird way. And it, 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 it does something intense to, uh, yeah, the Tetris effect is known to help people um, who have just suffered from traumatic events yeah. to lower their likelihood of developing PTSD if you play Tetris. And like, so it does weird stuff to your brain. It could only happen within a game. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it's 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 unfortunate that I think a lot of a lot of the deeper levels of of Drowned God, it, like the the medium of video games, I don't think was necessarily ready for that. that not type at the of art. not in '96. No, I mean, first off, it was. It was trying to recover from the this very static nature of what came before. I mean, right. uh, the 80s uh, video game industry, I mean, it was cabinets and its basis was things like Pac-Man, Asteroids and so on. Um, narrative games were compared. Were, they were there. Um, they were they were mainly dungeon crawlers, though. So it was, there was always a, there always had to be a right, strong right. fantasy element, and plus which, you had to keep the you had to keep the player interested and willing to invest their twenty five cents, right, right, even though they got killed. I mean that's it, it was in the late eighties, early nineties that story video games, mm-hmm. uh, and th- those were inevitably there were things like Simpsons, N- Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Basically, you were playing across a story. Drowned God broke the mold in uh, in a lot of ways. I mean, it's a Mist clone. First right. off, let's be let's be honest yeah, here. Yeah, yeah. It's it Mist was that seminal creation that so much has spun out of. Yeah. Drowned God being part of it. Drowned God, however, is the first to actually try to first leverage the internet uh, as part of the narrative device as uh, to use it as a storyline. Um, because there is a point, uh, actually in Din where you, uh, transcend the Din realm and go into this caravan where a hacker supposedly lives and you are able to access their hacked, uh, files, which are basically a raft of conspiracy lore and supposed to add lore to the game itself. And the, f- the fact that multiple endings were po- were originally intended and possible, that's also a big break from right, right. from what what we what came before so yeah it the industry the audience wasn't ready for this and neither was the industry to be right. perfectly blunt i mean the fact that it got truncated the way it was what we have is such a yeah that's a I mess wanted, i wanted to talk about that like how think, how harry's vision got kind right. of mangled and how and he I, got screwed over a game like this had it been released you know for people to download onto their computers through steam or something like oh, today, yeah. it would have such a cult oh, following yeah. Yeah, and yeah, it, yeah, it, yeah. I think it will. It already, and it does. It does. It <laughs> does actually. An even bigger one. In honestly. the last, in the last, uh, five years, I've been, I periodically checked YouTube for, um, stuff on this for so long. It was just the electronic press kit. Yeah. Also, that's another mold breaker that they did. They actually put together an electronic press kit. Mm. Which was basically the the background, the story, the interviews. They actually gave behind the scenes uh, yeah, yeah. work. Yeah, we we included some clips of that in our yes, first part one of uh, Drowned God. I remember. Um, 
But how did it happen? I honestly don't know. And Harry wasn't too clear either. He yeah. he in, in his one of his letters to me, he said he stated that uh, his two production partners, um, Agley, who are they again? I got, this is a great thing about the manual. It, it gives you a, miss, the I whole miss a good list. Game manual, man. Yeah. Uh, Al- Algae. Algie. Oh, yeah. Alistair Graham and uh, Agley Williams. Agley was the production lead, and Alistair Graham co created with Harry, supposedly. Yeah, he, he also, was the creepy he, man. He, he also did, yeah, he also did the art direction. His, According to Harry, those two guys and Alistair Agley, if you're if you hear this, this is what Harry said to me. He said that uh, he was basically cut out and those two did side deals with Inscape and whatever other companies were involved for a bigger share of the profits for um, merchandising rights and book rights and what whatnot. So, I mean, this is the sort of game that could could actually should port a fair amount of merchandising. I mean, imagine the imagine the full tarot deck that this could have produced. Yeah. Right. Oh yeah. my gosh. And novelizations. I mean, I've I've dipped my toe into trying to novelize this. You can't. You have to write around it. <laughs> yeah. Mm. You have to sort of put some characters in there. Otherwise. Oh, well, for the record, I think you did a very good job. Thank mm-hmm. you. I look forward to your response, Will. Also. I know. Now that you printed it out for me, I'm gonna be reading that too. That's what you gotta do. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, this what you're what you're gonna what I gave you guys is an expanded version of what I originally sent to you. I oh, added cool. about I, I added something like uh, two thousand three thousand more words. Awesome. And actually expanded to include Bina. So cool. Whether it ever goes anywhere is another issue, but. Steam, again, this is 1996. This is long before Amazon or downloads or any anything. I mean, even uh, Napster was right. in yeah. its infancy. But in the last five years, um, I've been mo- watching on YouTube, and it seems like every year somebody does a full playthrough or there's some new review or retrospective. Yeah. And it, not just in the United States. Um, there was one done uh, in the UK. There's one from Germany, one from Argentina. Uh, people are... People are tapping onto this. It's developing its uh, following. It's developing... I hate to say it. It's cult following. <laughs> and there are there are designers on Discord who are starting to try to reconstruct it the uh, drowned god sequel cult takes place in real life dun, 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 that's the big twist <laughs> which is such a frightening concept when you think about it which is such a frightening concept when you think about it because uh what we saw in, what little we saw in chokma i mean a diner never mind the fact that they mislabeled the the restroom a wc <laughs> who, who the hell knows what that means it's a waste closet Water closet. Water closet. Water closet. Water closet. <laughs> waste closet. Oh, my God. Fucking waste closet. Which is accurate. But you have biohazard tape all over the place. You have a sky that that's red and stormy, but no indication but of still. what... But still. But yeah. still. And it's em- and it's just empty. The diner's empty. It looks like it was quickly abandoned. Food is still sitting around. And you get an occasional call that says, contact Edgar on a safe line. And then buzz. It's it's a frightening it's a frightening space. Yeah, I think by implication of what might be there right, right. might have happened. It's so I was thinking like it's 
I'd, I'd love it if, and I guess this is what the, the Discord people are doing, if there was a better game around Drowned, around, like mechanically better. But how do you have a puzzle game when the whole thing is about a puzzle with no solution? Right? Like, it, can you really make you a mechanically... Puzzled, you can have some solutions. Yeah. You know, so you get that sense of satisfaction, like, oh, yeah, we beat that puzzle. Right. But then you know there's that, just another heart. But does that cheapen yeah. the message? Is the is the intent yeah. of the art... Or, or is, the, is the art made better by the obtuse nature of the mechanics? I don't know. It's, it's an... It's, I think if you lose that, then you lose some of the spirit of the game. So there has to be an amount of that. Or would the, you know... That, like, sort of wandering, chaotic um, Yeah, is, it, is, the, is the emotional and mental impact of the thing better because of that, if not as appealing or necessarily enjoyable to go through? I also, I hate puzzle games. They frustrate me like nothing else. Yeah. I, it's just, I, I, I think too much. Mm-hmm. I always overthinking it. It doesn't, doesn't do well. Myself, um, I'm agnostic on it. I mean, the mechanics of the game are simple enough. You point and click. Yeah. Movement and movement. I suppose I'm, I'm mostly meant like puzzle design, I think. Puzzle design, this thing was off the charts. It had one review put it uh, that it had ambition coming out of its genetically modified ears. Nice. <laughs> and, some, and some of the puzzles are really groundbreaking. I mean, trying to construct a conversation of random phrasing between two guys. Yeah, I mean, that's yeah. that's that's pretty unique. The the drinking game. Um, Whoa. Yeah, that's. <laughs> now I was saying there's a, that squirrel just walked up to the window and put its hands on it like that. Oh my god! <laughs> <laughs> looked in. <laughs> Both hands on the window, looking in at us. Yeah. <laughs> um, Squirrels aren't real. <laughs> Well, that it's one looked. Well, that one looked pretty damn real to me. Um, Bioengineered. Yeah, the um, <laughs> it, getting the uh, the rod of Osiris requires you to maneuver it not only on the uh, in the in the submarine at the end, not only along the x axis, not only along the y axis, but also along z, and orientate it uh, so that it's perfectly upright, and each click of the controls. We'll move it so many spaces along the X, along the y, or and or along the Y, and or along the Z. Mm. So it's that requires a lot of spatial thinking right there, and some of is I mean some of them are just downright bog silly. Um, connecting uh, icons on a screen or maneuvering around a. Um, an, imp- an imprinted it's a good variety in huge, terms of difficulty a, a huge variety a huge <laughs> yeah, variety some of them are like really fucking hard and other ones are like oh i every, can do this in two minutes every realm has one puzzle that is going to take you forever in bina it's the drinking game in chesed it's a game of nine man's morris where the ai is incredibly aggressive incredibly fu- it's very strategic and Oh my god! I if any if I hate any puzzle in the, it's that one. In Din, it's not so much a puzzle; it's a uh, it's a, it's a bug uh, in one of the puzzles where the instructions you're given are not adequate. So you've got to try and experiment with controls to figure out what what is the proper setting and which one is off. 
And in Chokma, it has really just one puzzle uh, where you have to get rid of an alien implant in your own head. Oh, and un- and unfortunately, oh, no. and unfortunately, again, the AI is very well designed for that. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, there you have it. I mean, it's it's a puzzle game. It's a Rorschach blot. It's a beautiful piece of artwork that is finally getting the recognition it really should have gotten 25 years ago. Yeah. But couldn't because both of the times and just the fact that the way it's designed. I mean, it's it's incomplete. Yeah. And I think that's probably a good place to uh, talk about the tarot pool. Yeah. So I looked through the deck, by the way, because yeah. this card that we pulled, the Two of Cups... Two it of Pentacles. A, yeah. Yes. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> this card that we pulled, the Two of Pentacles, features a horse on it. Yes. Which, how appropriate. We're talking about Harry Horse. So I thought, well, how many of these cards include horses on them because if it's it's like a bunch of them, that's why we pay the big bucks. (laughs) Well, actually there's only one other one that includes a horse out of the entire deck. So there's only two in here. So that's pretty synchronistic that we got one of the two out of the entire deck. What, what is it? It's a major arcana. Yeah. I think it's the sun. Hang on. Or star. 19. The sun. Yes. Creativity and innocence can sometimes help understanding more than study and reason. That's the horse. Yeah. Creativity, innocence. Like both of these um, that feature the horse are very, they fit in with this. And then there's also, of course, the pale horse. Yes. Death rides on a pale horse. The Um, pale horse of the 90s, baby. But yeah, and Behold a Pale Horse by uh, Bill Cooper. And I also like how in these two cards, the two of pentacles is in sort of this wintry, this wintry icy landscape. And in the sun, of course, they're in this field of flowers that, of course, has a crop circle in it. Yeah. But the sun is shining and it's flowery and full of life. So again... We have this um, dichotomy presented of the horse as an ally where this man is riding the horse through the flowery field and the sun is shining. And this other one where it's this underground insectoid manimal alien coming to the surface, to the icy surface and being confronted by this gigantic white horse standing on its legs Mm in front of him and well, he's sort yeah. of like the the bug manimal is kind of taken aback by this yeah, a little yeah. like whoa okay uh so in um in the fourth deck the one i use and know how to read uh the two of discs or two of pentacles is called the lord of change yeah and um on that it's a and on the on the rider weight smith deck it's a you know the juggler juggling the two pentacles and the, there's like a, a ribbon wrapped around them to make a, a sort of figure eight uh infinity pattern right and it's about material change of, of things shifting and uh, the idea that, hey, if you don't like the weather, wait around, it'll change. Right. That whole thing, right? And to me, that's, well, one, the, uh, the idea of uh, the pale horse as death, as uncertainty, right? Mm-hmm. As of the facing of uncertainty. And then also the idea of talking about like a, this piece of art, Drowned God, was extremely prescient in its, in its way and... Uh, came at a time that wasn't ready for it, which is a thing that's said about like lots of art yeah. and it's actually often true. Um, and I think it is, it is true in the, in this case. And it is interesting now that there is a resurgence of interest mm-hmm. in this game and sort of because we're starting to see a lot of the problems 
associated with true belief, right? And and people are looking to examine that again. And this this piece from the '90s is from when a lot of the trouble started uh, is is coming back around again. And mm-hmm. I think that's it's very interesting. Mm-hmm. It's a good card. Good card, Paul. For sure. <laughs> the only reason I'm uh, not skeptical is because I'm the one who pulled the damn card. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Amen. The cards don't lie. <laughs> cards don't lie. Uh, Neither do numbers, but people still twist them every which way. Yeah. Mm. yeah. You can lie with the cards and with numbers. It's very easy. But yet, dude, Joseph, it was so awesome to talk to you about this. Um, it was and, awesome to be here, and um, thank you for uh, the invite. It's such a yeah. pleasure to just, like, nerd out yeah, over this too. shit. And, and because I didn't see a lot of the stuff that was that was in this game and a lot of these ideas. Yeah. The way we covered it and stuff. and with It helped it, really broaden my understanding. Yeah, and, and appreciate it as something that someone with my interest should appreciate. And it's cool that, like, you know, when we first did the episode on... And we're going to be getting back to Harry, too, eventually. But that... I'm just glad that that topic didn't go away after a one and done mm-hmm. episode, you know? Yeah. Well, it's one that I think also emotionally impacted us. Like, I remember I so. yeah. when we were recording the first part of it, like, I started tearing up at a certain point. This yeah. is a story that, like, it got me. Yeah. You know, I was very pulled in by by Harry as a creator, as a person, mm-hmm. and as Drowned God as a piece of art. It's like something that you can really... Uh, jump into and yeah, roll around it. Yeah, <laughs> you want to make sure you shower after it's yeah. though. <laughs> yeah, it's um, there are depths to this. Like I said, this this supports all sorts of interpretations, all sorts of analyses, um, and none of them can be said to be wrong, right? Because uh, I keep coming back to this. I know it's a Rorschach blot test. What you see ultimately depends upon your biases, your background, uh, what you want to see. What I want to see from this is ideally a complete story. And unfortunately, we can't because it's not complete. Mm-hmm. The, the source, the, the game code might exist somewhere in some storage locker yet to be discovered. And maybe someday somebody will buy it and bring it back to to life. That's the other thing. Harry was never able to unravel the rights issue. Right. So, right. 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 Um, I mean, for all we know, it's it, the the code is in public domain, but that's more likely because whoever actually owns the rights, if the rights even exist, is unaware. Yeah. And uh, I don't think I mentioned this. I forgot to mention this actually. There's been such a development of interest in this that people that somebody has managed to create a uh, a virtual tool that allows them to extract assets directly from the source from the game code. Oh wow! Including things like uh, scenes with um, just the talking head Baphomet or the music. Somebody's actually somebody's actually uploaded the individual pieces of music as a soundtrack oh, nice. in YouTube. But where does it go? I mean. It's it's a terrific game. It's it's got a lot to grab you with. I'm personally hopeful that uh, some that they will be able, that this team on Discord will be able to pull something coherent together. I think that would be really cool. That would I'm be excited immensely. to see where that goes. Yeah. All right. Well, I think that about does it for us for today. I think so. Yeah. Right. Well, well, take care, everybody. Take care, and you be well. Be seeing you, as I say in the village. 
<laughs> all righty. Bye, guys. Peace out. Bye, guys. Oh, wait. Follow us on all the things. Do all the stuff. Like us. Please. Not like, not like don't hit the like button. Like, but like, just like us. us. Please um, like me. Give us a nice review on uh, Apple Podcasts. And, and Spotify. Spotify now is uh, has a rating system. So do what you will with that. All right, guys. Take care. Good thing you. Thank <laughs> you.